Homestyle Green, Episode 62, The Zero Energy House. G'day and welcome back to another episode of Homestyle Green. I am the host of the show, Matthew Cutler-Welsh, and this is the podcast about inspiring people to make a better place to live. And a couple of weeks ago, I spoke to Shay Brazier and Joe Woods about their very special house, very special place that they live in now here in Auckland, the Zero Energy House. And I've been following this project for about three years uh, since I moved up to Auckland. I first heard about it and it was in the planning, they were still in the planning, the final planning stages at that time. And it's been an absolute pleasure to watch it progress and very exciting that they're moved in and will soon be publishing the figures from their first year of uh, of living in that house. And they'll be putting the putting the evidence out there to see, is it really zero energy? And uh, Shay does allude to some of those um, preliminary results in this interview. So it's quite a long one. We're going to get stuck straight into it. I started out by asking Shay uh, and Joe a bit about their backgrounds and why they embarked on this adventure in the first place. Probably a good place to start is that we both we met working in a solar company in London. Mm-hmm. So, and we now I work in predominantly we still work in solar and renewable energy, um, and Joe works in building performance and sustainability. And building services, so we've got a background in buildings and knowledge about what they can do. So the, the technology side of, or green technology side of buildings. Yeah, 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 and also um, I guess the the envelope, the building envelope design, um, and I guess it partly comes into architectural side of things, like specifying insulation levels or glazing types. I mean that's. That's predominantly what I end up doing in my job, just yep. advising architects on how to make buildings work more efficiently without needing to put a lot of energy in to make them comfortable. So why did both of you end up doing the sorts of things that you're doing, so solar and looking at um, energy? What's the motivation there? Um, I guess we've both got quite a big interest in renewable energy. Um, like Shay said, we met in renewables. Um, and when we came back, he, he started up his own company and I didn't want to work, stay in renewables and compete against him in his small business. So I ended up going into, into green buildings, which in actual fact suits me more than, it, uh-huh. than renewables. Um, it's um, a bit more of a broader subject. Yeah. Um, but I guess it's just really fascinating because it's, it is such a broad subject, so I deal not just with energy necessarily, but it's all to do with different different bits of sustainability. So it might be materials that you use or um, emissions from a building um, or the indoor environment quality. So how, how good is that building inside for, for a person to be in? Is it healthy? Is it comfortable? Yeah. Um, and how about you, Shay? Why, why did you originally get into solar? What was the attraction there? Um, well, I did an engineering degree, so I've got an interest in technology and, and engineering. And I, I guess I've got an interest in efficiency and performance as well. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and buildings are sort of where they meet and, and a lot of the time where they meet and they influence your life a lot. So that was very interesting for me, that sort of combination of technology and, and how that impacts on people. Yeah. Um, so applying those engineering, that engineering knowledge to achieve good outcomes for people is really where I think if I really boil it right down to what I'm, what motivates me, that's, that's a lot to do with it. I think a couple with that, the consciousness of the, the constraints we live in, the limitations of the world we live in. Right, so, so it comes back to people and the environment? Yeah, people, environment, and technology. And technology, yeah. All right, moving on, jumping ahead a few years to the where you're calling from now, inside the Zero Energy House. For those that haven't seen it, can you describe to us what it is? Yeah, um, from the street, it looks like a Macacapa clad really conventional-looking timber building. It's probably got a few features that are a little bit different, but um, it's very tr- traditional, two-storey, gabled roof. Um, inside, it's quite modern and simple, or white and bit of exposed timber, concrete floors downstairs, timber floors upstairs. But um, probably what people don't see initially is that behind all of that is, is quite a lot of – there's a lot of design and a lot of thinking that's gone into making it um, a very comfortable – and very affordable home to live in. It's quite a simple shape, isn't it? It's a re- yeah. basic rectangle. Yeah, so it's a rectangle. Uh, downstairs, main house is um, the long side of the rectangle faces north. It's about 10, 11 metres by about 8 metres, and two-storey with a 30-degree pitched roof, yep. gabled roof. And then perpendicular to that is another gabled roof, which is about 12, 11, 12 metres long, 4.5 metres wide, which is a garage workshop studio area. And that's one story, and that you know the end of that faces out to the road, faces south. Um, what do you? Yeah, think, what do you guys? We'll come back to to talk about some of the details of, of the Zero Energy House. What do you see as some of the biggest problems with most other New Zealand houses, and why weren't you satisfied to go and buy an buy a existing house? Um, I guess the main one is the lack of passive design. So. On a lot of the older buildings um, that we have through New Zealand, they're obviously not very well insulated. Um, they don't always face north. like They often just face the road, uh, and it doesn't really matter what orientation the road's in. That, that's just the way they've been positioned. Yep. Um, and I guess even on the newer, newer houses, some of those mistakes are still being made. Mm-hmm. Although they're now well insulated, um, they are often... Designers don't often think about how the sun's going to affect the house in the in the summertime. So, you might have a house that performs okay in the winter, but it overheats in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, there's there's houses that have a, a lot of problems through New Zealand just because of how they've been designed and sited on the on the section. Um, Did you ever consider buying one of those and trying to retrofit it to a higher standard? Not really. No. <laughs> Uh, we, we they're look at they're all pretty much a write-off. Yeah, we, we, actually, we actually do. That's not fair. That's not true. Actually, we actually nearly bought a house in Green Bay, which we thought had a lot of potential. Uh-huh. Quite an old house, but um, in terms of its design and layout, it was, it was pretty good. Yeah. Um, but we realised that there was – we really we knew too much about what you could do and how you do it, so we we really ended up – we kept on coming back to going to build our own property. Right. Our own house. Okay, so can you list for us the the top five features of what makes your home so good? Yeah, well, 
Um, when I started thinking about this, I thought probably it'd be more sensible to start um, just to put it in context with the characteristics mm-hmm. that the teachers are trying to achieve, um, if that makes sense, um, which I think for us were we want the house above all to be comfortable and healthy to live in. Um, which comfortable wanted, and healthy. Yeah, comfortable and healthy was the first characteristic we wanted to achieve. Um, and we wanted it to be affordable over the life of the house. So mm-hmm. we didn't want to – we wanted it – it had to be affordable to build, but it also had to be affordable to operate. And if you add those things, add up operational costs up over time, they're very significant. Um, and we also wanted it to be you know, inspiring and rewarding and suit our personalities, so the place that we really like to live in and we're proud to be in. Um, so something that was designed and thought through yep. and consistent with, with what we, we valued. Yep. Um, so the features that we, we've, the five features we listed, that are trying to achieve those things. Um, the, the passive design, which obviously we've already um, covered a little bit. Um, we so that's your north, have, your north facing long side. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we've got most of our glazing on the north side of our house. Yeah. Um, and which is not the street side, is it? It's no, it's actually the garden side, which is the opposite to the street. Yeah. Um, obviously, having a lot of glazing on the other side of the street means you don't have a lot on the street side and it can feel quite shut off from the street. So we've tried to get around that by still having glazing there, but um, maximising it where we're going to get the most interaction with passers-by. So in the kitchen, there's quite a big, big, nice window so you can talk to people as they're walking past. So do you feel Um, shut off? No, no. Because of that kitchen window, yeah. Um, it does allow quite a lot of view out to the public that anyone that walks past. And I guess on the other side, you've got your privacy as well for the living yeah, space. Yeah, so it's both the base walls, really. Yeah. And then on the east side, we've kind of got a um, a modest amount of glazing. So we've got quite a nice area of garden out to the east, which we'll use quite a bit, I think, all year round. Yep. Um, and that also is viewable from people walking past as well. Right, so it's right. a nice friendly space too. Yeah, and the kitchen's positioned in the eastern corner so that you get the sun in the morning when you're in mm-hmm. the kitchen. It's the first place that you get the sun. And then the northern windows allow that sun in through the day in the winter, but the overhang keeps it out in the, nice. in the okay, summer. So you got your orientation is the, the first key key feature? Yeah. Yeah. Well, passive design, so orientation, Pass- yep. glazing, Insulation, thermal mass, ventilation, all those passive features which are sort of basically free with the design. Right, okay, yep. Yep. And the second was the integrated solar roof, um, which was pretty unique and not that easy to do, and uh, but something which we think is really important to demonstrate to people that you can, this is probably the way things will go eventually, I think, with solar. When you say not that easy to do, technically wasn't too difficult? Technically, it wasn't too difficult, but not that easy to do because there aren't many products on the market, certainly specifically in New Zealand, yep. and what is on the market is quite expensive. Right. Um, right. But it, it is something that will, I think, become quite a lot more common in the future as sort of economies of scale get there and building products companies start to integrate solar into the products. And so by integrated, that means they're essentially your ceiling tiles that theoretically you don't need a roof underneath it? Uh, so roof tiles, um, yeah, so there's no roof. There's no, you know, long-run roof or conventional roofing material. The solar tiles are the roof. Right. Above the solar tiles, above you know, up the roof is um, a glazed 
solar water heating system, which also forms part of the roof. Right, right. So that the you've got a, a roof that is actually working for you as well as keeping the rain off. Yeah, yeah. And the outside surface solar panels is glass, which is a very durable material. Doesn't need painting. Um, right. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Expect it to last a long time. Um. Joinery is the third thing. Um, a lot of people who have been to the house have actually commented on our joinery. It's um, it's timber, mm-hmm. um, and it's very high performance, so double glazed, and it's got a, a thermal coating on it to, to help it perform better, um, and also argon filled. So this is your, um, your windows and your doors? Windows and doors, yeah. But I, I guess the real special feature about them is um, they open normally like most doors and windows, but they also do a tilt function as well. So you can leave them open during the day and they're secure um, and they're rainproof. Um, so it's been really easy to keep the, the house quite a nice, comfortable temperature mm-hmm. over the summertime just because we can leave the windows open yep. all day if we need to, even when we're not here. Right, and, and that's still safe and secure. You don't have to worry about um, yeah. locking everything up, shutting yeah. it tight. Yeah, right, yeah. so they tilt inwards, um, so it's pretty difficult for rain to get into them. Yeah, yeah, yep, and a person. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course, they're very standard overseas, but not, not very common in New Zealand. There are a few companies making them now. Right, so did you import yours, or did you get them made locally? No, they were made by Heerlum Joinery up in Kirikiri. Right. Yep. Very helpful. The hard the hardware is actually imported. Um, it's it's such a German made hardware. So the the latches and the moving parts, the mechanism, yep. but the the frame was put together by craftsmen here. Correct. Yeah. Okay. What else? Um, the the third part was the um, the cycled and local timber. Um, so put quite a lot of time into sourcing timbers that were locally grown or recycled. So the, the all the coatings. I think it's grown in Taupo, it's Macrocarpa. Um, and then inside of the garage and in the, in the internal hallway is lined with Macrocarpa as well. Right. The stairs and the floor upstairs are recycled Rimu. Um, the bench top is recycled clear from a deck. Uh, the main, there's two big main structural beams um, upstairs and downstairs, and they're, they're recycled from my father's boat. <laughs> um, so aside from your father's boat, how hard was it to source those other recycled materials? Um, it was hard to find cost-effective Rimu in Auckland, uh, so we ended up sourcing it from outside of Auckland. Right. Uh, which is it's studs that have been remachined down to full tongue groove floorboards. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm just looking at their front page of, um, website right now, and the floor just looks stunning. Yeah, it's come out really, really well. Yeah, um, yeah. Just so, it gives a lot of character and personality, I think. Yeah, well. yeah, beautiful, um, beautiful colour. Mm. Um, yeah. So we've got passive design, integrated solar, your joinery, recycled timber. Anything and then the last, the last one is um, we ended up um, starting out with quite simple colours, both upstairs and downstairs. So downstairs is concrete floor and white walls, and then we've got white curtains. Mm-hmm. And then upstairs is timber floors and then um, slightly more colourful curtains, but they're still pretty simple. Um, but then we've got splashes of colour throughout the house just to try and lighten up a bit. Mm-hmm. So we've got this wonderful ready orange tile that goes through the kitchen and it makes it feel really nice and bright. And everyone always comments on the kitchen tiles. They're, right. they're really 
tearful tiles. And then downstairs, we've got splashes of yellow in the bathroom. And then upstairs, there's um, blues, yellows and greens as well. So it's just little bits of colour here and there throughout the house to make it a bit more tearful. Right. And that comes back to your characteristic of um, inspiring and, and rewarding and reflecting of your personality? Yeah, yeah, I guess it's it just makes it more pleasant to be in. Um, there seems to be a lot of houses in, well, not in just New Zealand, but all around the world that are, are painted very stark colours. Um, mm, mm. I think it's actually quite nice to have a little bit of colour. Well, and I, and I think it's quite nice that, and important as well that you, you had a bit of fun with it, but also that it feels yeah. like it's a, a special place for you and it's not all about the the science and the technology, but it's got Definitely. some personality in there as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and that was a big reason for choosing the architects we chose. You know, we, we're engineers, we're technical people. It's quite hard for us to describe those type of things and it's quite hard for us to, to visualise them. Right. Having good architects on board that could take our ideas and make them into a really beautiful space was really important. Yeah, yeah. And that's something that we've yeah. talked about on the show, about the importance of, of architecture and its place and the fact that a lot of houses don't actually see an architect these days and, and perhaps that's part of the the problem is that there's not a lot of real architectural design that goes on yeah well i think the definition of architects architecture has become very narrow as well um uh-huh. i think you know that they, they bring you know we're starting to think about architects being about aesthetics but historically they've been about pulling together the design being the you know the architect of the solution yeah uh, yeah you know, taking input from lots of different people and putting that together into the integrated solution. So mm-hmm. we, we were quite conscious of that early on. So we had you know, our input as clients, but also as engineers. We talked to builders quite early, and we got the architect to pull all that, all that together and really pull that into the solution, of, which is the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of you know, quite technical, very technical things. You know, features of framing and um, how much glazing came from mm-hmm. ours and where it's going and levels of insulation and the systems. Solar roof, making sure it was everything worked together. Yeah, which would be and quite a challenge, I imagine, because a lot of that new stuff they'd have to wouldn't be just be able to pull out pull out the manual or the the tried and tested way of doing it. Yeah, no, that, that, that's right. And, you know, we chose we chose Ken and Jen Play Studio because they you know they seemed to understand what we were trying to achieve. They hadn't necessarily done sustainable buildings before, but they knew about buildings and they yeah. knew about how to make a beautiful home. Yeah, and they were very receptive to the ideas, and that was that worked really well. What surprised you most about uh, the project during either during the build or since you've moved in? Um, I, I don't, I can't think of anything specifically that really surprised me. The cost of non-PVC pipe really surprised me, but that was a pretty minor thing. Um, but when I reflect on it, I, I, having built it and lived in it, I'm just surprised that more people aren't building better homes or asking for <laughs> right. better homes. It's it's just such a rewarding place to live. It's so just so comfortable and it's just so great to be in. So I, I just don't understand mm-hmm. why it's not more common. Um, have you? Do you have a suspicion why that is? I, th- I think the way that we, I think it's probably a combination of factors. We don't know what to ask for. We don't know what we could get. Mm-hmm. You know, what we're um, a lot of homes are built by spec home builders who, you know, they're not connected to the end customer really. They're they're building something. It looks like a house. It's got X number of square meters, and it's got a garage and a kitchen, yeah. and that's the house. But the definition needs to evolve a bit more, really. And I think the perception that the building code—if you achieve the building code, then the house is okay—is mm. 
that's misunderstood. The building code's a minimum standard, and people need to understand that they should ask for much more than the building code. Yeah, yeah. And make these people accountable for delivering, you know, a home that you want to live in that's, well, for us, you know, they come back to the, the comfort, the health, and the affordability and inspiration as being really important. So take us back to the, the beginning of this uh, journey for you guys. Um, what was the first step that you both took to create Zero Energy House? And, and what advice would you have for someone who's just getting started today? Um, the first thing we did was writing a good brief for our architects. Um, right. So they knew exactly what we wanted out of the house. And it wasn't just things like three bedrooms, um, certain number of square metres. It was things like something that's really comfortable all year round, um, something that produces as much energy as it uses. So actually being quite detailed in what we wanted, um, lots of images about things that we liked, and a lot of those images actually had quite a lot of timber in them. Um, so was that so. like a scrapbook kind of scenario? you chopping out photos of things that you liked? Yeah, anything really, anything that you think is going to be useful, anything that gives um, you a little bit of inspiration or some colours that you really like or some features of a house that you've seen in a magazine that you really like. Yeah. But I think it's really, and it really forced us to think about what we're trying to achieve uh-huh. and, and, and write down and quantify what it was. And because, because of our knowledge, we could go beyond saying it should be comfortable and mm. cheap to run to saying it should be comfortable. So we want it to achieve 18 to 24 degrees all the time without heating. Right. So and, you were able to define what, when you said it had to be comfortable and healthy, you yeah. actually put some numbers around that and say, this is, what we, how are we going to quantify that? Because most people wouldn't. And that, I think that comes back to your previous point, Shay, about not, people not knowing what to ask for. Is that where you both had a bit of a, a significant advantage in, in creating that scope? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, we've probably learned a lot now too, so we would do it a little bit differently. But, yeah, definitely it's it's something that um, that we do have an advantage because of our technical background and our understanding of, of buildings. But when you, went, when you went to that process of, of creating that brief, did you have any template to work from or did you have any um, any kind of guidance on that or was it just your own own ideas on your own experience? Made it up entirely. Right, up yeah, yeah. The architects were shocked by how big it was in a way, although I think they were quite happy because it really defined the parameters of what they had to work within. Absolutely. So it was a new experience for them to have, have that sort of detail. But yeah, that was my understanding, yeah. Mm, interesting. I, I spoke to a, um, a a great architect in uh, in the US on the show um, a few episodes back, and and he said that he can spend up to three months uh, with his clients before they actually formalise the brief, and and it sounds like he he's developed quite a process around creating just that, you know, encouraging people to describe not just what they want, how many bedrooms they want, and how many bathrooms, but what they like, what sort of things they enjoy, what's important to them. You know, it becomes a lot more um, kind of inward uh, thinking and um, thinking about your lifestyle that you want as well. And I, and I can imagine that that's pretty rare at this stage in New Zealand at the moment. Yeah, that sounds that sounds brilliant. And, and I think a lot for us, a lot of the lifestyle questions came into choosing the site. Right, and yeah. We haven't done that today, but you know, thinking, well, where are we going to go most days and how do we want to get there? Yeah. If we buy a house in um, Muriwai, that'd be brilliant. We like it in Muriwai, but we only go kite surfing once a week and we're going to have to drive into town every day and that'll just be 
complete drag. So yeah. that's what we ended up in Point Chev. We walked to the shops and uh, we just up with the town and that works well for us. So you've got the house now. You've got a great um, website. You, you've also been on lots of uh, – we've been on – have you been on TV? You've certainly been on the radio a few times. Um, you've got a, a, some great little videos on, on your website. What do you want others to take away from your experience? I think it's a pretty simple message from our point of view that, that building a house like this does make sense. Um, you can do it. It's not really that hard if you find the right people to help you, and it's definitely worth it. It would be the, my message. Mm. Yeah. Um, when you say worth it, uh, obviously you've you've nailed your objectives around comfort and and health. What about the affordability side? Um, yeah, I mean the build cost was is less than many other architecturally designed homes at this sort of level of spec. Mm-hmm. Um, if you try and rationalise down the additional money that we did spend on the things that made a difference to to those um, criteria that we listed, characteristics, um, it's probably only 10%, I think, something of that magnitude. So a 10% premium on yeah. uh, equivalent houses similar similar size? Yeah, and it's quite hard when you start trying to analyse the square metre cost because all the, you know, the handmade tiles from Walkworth um, are very expensive for the square metre, but they don't contribute anything to the comfort or the affordability, but they do in terms of inspiration. Um, yep. So how do you quantify the additional costs? Is actually yeah, yeah. relatively difficult, but if you put some hard facts around the things that have financial payback, you can do that. And I think you know, 10% is the probably roughly the sort of order of magnitude. Um, and, and if, if you look at the ongoing costs, yeah. um, we're going to be publishing the performance figures for the first year quite soon. Um, just doing all the final sort of analysis on them, but um, it's looking very, very, very good. And the winter our power bill was a dollar eighty a month. The water bill is one dollar eighty per month. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, so is that after, that's your uh, so you're paying a line charge there as well? Yeah, so um, yeah, you do. So your you know, electricity bill is made up of a fixed charge, which is a line charge, and a variable charge, which is partly your line charge and partly your electricity cost. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, you know, we pay that, and then what the additional energy we generate, we export, and we get paid for that. So the dollar eighty is you know, what we paid minus what we got paid. Right. So that includes that's that's your total net uh, bill. Yeah. That yeah for, for the winter for the three months over winter. Wow. We generated thirty percent more than we used, so probably overshot there a little bit. We don't have an electric <laughs> car yet. So. Uh, right. Right. Uh, very good. So you're going to publish all that and uh, and put it up on on your blog. Which yeah. is probably the best place for people to go to find out more information. Is that uh, is that the, is that the story? Yep. Um, so the website we've done a did a complete rebuild of the website last year. Matt Matt did. Um, he's done all of the website. Actually, he's done a brilliant job. I mean, a lot of credit has to go to him for communicating what we've done. Um, so we yeah the house website zeroenergyhouse.co.nz. And yep. we tried to structure it to make it really easy to find information on the different things that you would do and how we're slowly going to be adding information about how those things are going. Yep. There's background, why we've done them, um, some videos on different parts of the house that some of those um, suppliers have helped pay for. Yeah. Um, I talked a bit about their products as well. Um, 
And I think it is a great it is a great site, and the, certainly the 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 relaunch of it. Um, I think it is easy to to navigate around, and I'm continually uh, sending people there to have a look at your description of the walls wall options that you considered, for example, because I, I get asked about that quite a lot. What's the best option for increasing the R value of walls? So you've got really great information there. Um, so yeah, I, I think you've done a, a great job with that. And and why well, Matt? Where's what's Matt's company? Um, Matt's company at the time was uh, Roots Before Branches, um, and Matt and I have actually just started a company called Evident that we're going to be launching formally um, fairly soon. Right. Um, which is looking at how we can. Well, we'll tell you more about that soon, but it's it's <laughs> off the back of and looking at sneak, how sneak preview. Mm. Awesome. So you, so is that sort of an interest around getting this message out and um, uh, sharing some of the learning in this sort of space? Yeah, yeah. There's quite a few areas, but predominantly it's driven, motivated by trying to help people build their homes and make better choices. Awesome. It's a daunting thing out there, and um, it's quite hard to distill this information. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, do the analysis that you need to do sometimes to, to get the answer. And um, you, you did mention briefly, who is your architect again? Uh, a Studio. So Kendon, the Grail, and Jennifer Hansen. Okay. Well, we'll put some links up uh, to both your site and... Uh, and those guys as well, so people can find them if they um, if they need any. Was there anyone else that you need to do a, a quick shout out to? Oh, there's quite a big list of people we're really grateful for, but they're all listed on the website. So if people are curious about who we used, and um, then they're welcome to have a look there. Yeah. Um, uh, the builder and I also probably have to mention I specifically because he was he did a great job, put a lot of energy and time into it. So it's um, yeah, that, yeah. that was. Really Really important. It was actually incredibly important having a builder that really bought into what you were doing because yeah, absolutely. Everything they did on site, they thought about quite a lot. Um, so we had quite a lot of recycling going on site, and every time I came down to check, most of the time it was all it was all pretty good. So um, they kept up with that quite well. Was that uh, was that hard to find a good builder in the, at the early stage? Uh, it wasn't actually. Um, we asked around a couple of people, and they we got two introductions, and we, it was really hard to choose between them. Right. Um, they both, you know, I think they both would have been good, but no, I was not as brilliant. Right. Cool. Um, awesome. Hey, well, thank you for your time. Now, before we go, I'd like to ask uh, all our guests for a book recommendation. You guys got a, a favourite book or something that's been inspirational that you'd recommend to listeners? Um, I actually thought of a couple. One's not very um, New Zealand specific, um, but it's by a couple of people that now live in New Zealand. It's quite a technical book, but it's written by a couple of architects uh-huh. and the new autonomous house, which you might have heard of. The but new, it is based new autonomous house. The new autonomous house, but it's based on a UK house, um, and it was written a little while ago, so it's probably um, due for a bit of an update, I think, actually. And then the other one is actually a more specific New Zealand book, and that's A Deeper Shade of Green. Nice. Um, and that, that's a really good book because it's got chapters that are written by lots of um, very well-known people in the green building industry um, covering all sorts of topics about green building. So it's it's a really good book, I reckon, for for anyone that's fantastic. I, I'm surprised we. Uh, I don't think anyone's had that one yet, which is it is surprising because it's a great book. Yeah. I mean, you were talking about house. It's interesting because before Joe and I even talked about building a house, it was a book that Joe mentioned, and 
when we took yeah. that movie to New Zealand, it was she was um, you know, really excited by the fact that the Vales live in New Zealand and that she might actually get to meet them. So, um, oh, so that's, that's Brenda and um, Brenda, Brenda and uh, Robert. Robert, yeah. Robert. Oh, you haven't you haven't met them? Yep. No, they're down in Wellington now, so. I've been harder. to one of their presentations and oh, um, they it was a presentation about climate change and it were, well, it was actually a presentation about the Titanic and uh, <laughs> it was just such an appropriate analogy uh, and it was a fantastic presentation. It was uh, very entertaining but mm. scary and kind of frightening at the same time. Yeah. yeah. They, actually, uh, they actually gave a lecture when I was at engineering school, which I, I still remember, so it must have been there. It's been a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they're great. Hey, look, thank you very much for your time, Joan Shay. I really appreciate that. Um, congratulations with your home and also the the blog and everything else that you're doing out there. Um, and good luck with all the other stuff that you've got um, coming soon. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us. And, and um, yeah, well done on running such a great, um, great uh, video, uh, audio podcast. Pleasure. Thanks, and uh, we look forward to look forward to that um, update on the uh, the power supply. When, when are you hoping to publish that? Um, sometime in the next couple of months. We're um, we're going to do another video, I think, and try and sort of summarise the first year, and we'll publish some more performance information on the website, and awesome. hopefully get some more, more data live. There's some there's some live information there now. I hope we can get some more up in the next next few months. Great, awesome. Hey, thanks, guys. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Shay Brazier and Joe Woods of Zero Energy House. To get more information, definitely head on over to zeroenergyhouse.co.nz. That's zeroenergyhouse, all one word, .co.nz. They've got a ton of information on that site. It is quite nicely laid out um, with describing their journey, and it's broken down into site, design, structure, solar, water, etc. So you can find information that might be relevant to your project because they've done a lot of the, lot of the hard yards and um, a purpose of their project was to share that knowledge and share that learning. So uh, make use of it. Now, a couple of things I really liked um, about that discussion, a couple of key points that I took out of it. Characteristics. I, I really love the, those three principles that Shay talked about. Health and comfort, the first underlying objective really of a house surely is to look after the people inside it so that as the underlying characteristic of the home now obviously joe and shay being engineers they were able to define exactly what that meant and again that's something that we can also use to our advantage as well we know that we want health and comfort but what does that actually mean well we we have pretty good definitions of that now so um, we can use examples like this to when we're when we're talking to designers, or if, if we are a designer, we can say, look, these are the parameters that we actually want to achieve during this design. Um, affordable to build and to operate, and this is something that comes up over and over. When we, I see uh, affordability, the idea of affordability talked about in mainstream media. In the mainstream media, it's usually only the buy price that people are talking about when they say affordability. And that's is not even half of the picture, really, because you we you've got to account for the actual operating expense. And at a dollar eighty per month in the winter, then this is definitely an affordable house to own. And then finally, inspiring and rewarding. You've got to make a house B 
be a special place, a, sp- a place, and we've I've talked about this on the podcast before in a previous episode about a house being a place to dream, and and for a lot of people, a house is a dream. Uh, it's one of their biggest investments, but it's also one of the places where you spend a lot of time, and and in a very real scenario of of Joe and, and Shay, they're raising a family, and you know, bringing a, another person into the world and bringing them up in a, in a home, it's going to influence them. It's going to influence their health, but it's also going to influence their what they're inspired by and and what they're um, what they're motivated by. So I, I liked hearing about the splashes of color and and how they made that home not just a an engineering masterpiece, but something that was inspiring and and rewarding for them to live in. That is lots for this week. It's a quite a long interview, so um, we'll cut it off there. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you have enjoyed the show, do please head on over to iTunes, leave a quick review there if you can, or a star rating would be much appreciated. And don't forget to send in your questions too. We've given uh, great, great discussions recently via email and also on our Facebook page. You can contact me, Matthew, at homestylegreen.com or head on over to our Facebook page and uh, start a discussion over there. Until next week, go make a better place to live. <laughs>